Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lifelong Podcast for a Long Life. This show is all about low toxic living and longevity. And today we are going to discuss just that plus so much more. I'm actually interviewing one of my good friends, Andy Samperi. Andy is a registered nurse and also a certified integrative health coach. So she is really bridging that gap of holistic and conventional medicine. And she is literally such a wealth of knowledge. We're also going to discuss the range of health ranging from conventional all the way over to functional. She's going to kind of lay out all the differences between those different types of healthcare approaches. And we're also going to discuss some fun things about parenting tips, even though we're both not parents. So that's kind of fun. And we're going to talk about food freedom and a lot of other really fascinating subjects. So join me in welcoming the wonderful Andy Sam Perry. I need to put out a brief disclaimer about the quality of the recording in this episode and in this episode only. So we had a little bit of an issue with the audio quality and we have been working on improving it and we got it to a place where we are comfortable sharing, but it is not perfect. However, the content within this episode is so spectacular. So enjoy listening in and thank you for bearing with us in this small issue with the audio. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you, Andy? I'm great. Thanks for being on the show today. I really want to just get started right away because you are a great friend and a great resource. And I'm wondering if you can just jump right into it and share a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today. So a little bit of my background, I originally went to school for exercise science or kinesiology, and I was on track for physical therapy. Loved all things health really early on, but then took a gap year and decided that nursing was more of the track I wanted to do, specifically because of the education component of it. I mean, PT, there's definitely an education component, but I kind of wanted to get way more preventative and learn the really medical, technical side too. So ended up going to nursing school and then that kind of evolved into getting into more holistic health, not by really anything specifically, but it just kind of evolved over time through friends and relationships and everything I was learning. Yeah, that is awesome. We definitely relate on our... That's actually how we became friends is because a mutual friend of ours saw that we both were interested in holistic health. So that is the story of Andy and I getting connected. So kind of going off of that holistic approach, where did that stem from? I feel like a lot of people that I've spoken to, or even just myself, they've gone through a health condition or challenge, and they've kind of ended up on this path of holistic health without an option. Besides nursing, because nursing is very allopathic and conventionally focused, how did you expand your knowledge and get interested in the holistic side of things? Yeah. So it's kind of funny because I have realized that like a lot of these holistic health coaches or teachers or even some functional medicine doctors, they usually do have their own story. And I didn't actually have any health issues or anything like that. I remember being in college, there's like two big things that stand out to me of kind of this evolving. 
One was one of my friends and roommates in college. She was really into, you know, I remember she bought the Berkey filter way before I had ever heard of it. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, that's so expensive. I was also from and definitely in that mindset in college of like health is expensive, which is a myth, by the way, we can get to that later. But I remember just like being really resistant to it. And I was like, what are you talking about? But you know, through that relationship and living with her and a couple other friends as well, I was kind of challenged in that way. So that was one of those things that was like a really slow process. But then I feel like it was in nursing school where it was kind of a true change of being in clinicals and kind of giving meds instead of food and then going straight to the pharmaceuticals instead of not even food, but like supplements, diet, stress, relationships, like how is your overall well-being? And we never really talked to patients about that in the hospital, maybe on like a quick intake form. Yeah. So I just realized I was like, okay, something's missing. Like we need to take three steps back because why are they here? Like what brought them here? What evolved over time where in this position that they are right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I love that you had a roommate that had a Berkey. (laughs) That's very convenient. It was a, she had a Berkey and the shower filter Berkey. So she was dedicated. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Do you, I guess going off of that a little bit, do you have a water filter now? Do you like a certain brand? Are you still kind of a Berkey girl or? So I do have that one because it was recommended. Well, one through her and stuff like that. But I've heard different things. Now there's so many. I feel like there's a lot of choices. I've just thought that the Berkey was best. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You're the more of the expert in that category. Yeah, no, I like the Berkey as well. I don't have one yet just because I don't have the space living in an apartment. I know their traditional one doesn't have the fluoride filter, which bothered me. I feel like that should just be a given. But right now we have the, for years, actually, we've had the clearly filtered pitcher, which filters out literally everything bad, but it's plastic. Yeah, there's all those like toss ups about that too, you know, because then it's like, which one's the lesser evil in terms of? I know. Yeah. So using that right now and then Mountain Valley Spring, I think. No, Mountain Valley Water, they're our favorite for traveling. Those green glass bottles, those are like my fave. And they have a home system that you can get them delivered in glass bottles, kind of like the water cooler situation. Oh, awesome. I'll have to look into that. So you're now working by combining both kind of the traditional, you know, nursing with more of a holistic approach working in a functional clinic. Can you kind of talk about how, I guess, share as much as you're able to, obviously, you know, I want to be respectful of your job and everything like that. But share a little bit what it's like working in a functional clinic versus being in like a traditional hospital or setting. So one big thing that actually a really good friend of mine, so I'll just, I'll go over this because a really good friend of mine last week, she asked me, she was like, what is functional medicine? And like, what is integrative? And you know, I'm kind of so used to that. So I can kind of start with conventional medicine is basically what we think of. There's more of a spectrum. So on the left-hand side, you have conventional medicine and you'd have, this is what we think of as Western. It's pretty much treating anything acute. You break your arm, you go into the hospital, right? That's conventional. Then there's more like functional and integrative in the middle. Basically, integrative is kind of falls under the umbrella of functional and functional is finding the root cause. 
So really going back and deep diving into your history, your blood labs, you know, just anything that might be going on, a lifestyle change, a trauma, and that could be even like divorce. It doesn't have to be a car accident like we think of. And then you'd have like alternative medicine or holistic medicine on the other side a little bit. But the combination of all of those is great. And unfortunately, we don't really combine them as much as we should. But yeah, in terms of like in the hospital, it's just what's your first line of defense, you know? So what your first line of defense is in conventionals, as I had previously mentioned, pharmaceuticals, you know, we really, we tend to go towards those pretty quickly. And then in functional, we're like, all right, you have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. And we're like, why do you have this? So in a hospital, they would give you Synthroid or Armor or any medication that would basically, you know, allow your thyroid to make more thyroid hormone. But then in functional, we go way back to, okay, well, what's happened? Like, why is the thyroid not producing? You know, is it the pituitary, which is what triggers thyroid stimulating hormone, you know, or is it down the line? Like, what's going on? So my clinic is actually awesome. We're technically integrative medicine, which is combining basically functional and conventional and more working towards both. So we have a doctor of Chinese medicine. We've got a nurse practitioner. We've got a chiropractor. We've got me <laughs> and then a health coach, another health coach, and then an, an acupuncturist. So we've got like the whole shebang. <laughs> yeah. So it's great. So our role is, you know, again, kind of looking at those labs and looking at background information from we have like subjective and objective data that we gather. What's your history? What do you think is causing this too? And then like we go through the process with them. But in every meeting, you know, one of my roles, I am a nurse, but I also have integrated nutrition training. So we talk about, hey, how's your diet? How's your rest? Like, what is your sleeping? What are your sleeping habits like? That's like one of the most important things for the immune system. You know, how's exercise and then and so on and so forth. So we just try to get more of that whole picture. So that's kind of the difference. But that's my day to day job. That's awesome. Thanks so much for explaining that, you know, full spectrum from conventional to holistic and then integrative and functional. I myself even get kind of integrative and functional mixed up. But that was a great explanation, especially for our guests. A lot of them probably have not a single clue what either of those are. So that was really helpful. Do you notice... In working in an integrative clinic and having that experience in nursing school, working in conventional medicine, have you noticed like different patient outcomes? Do you think there's really something to integrative medicine? Of course, I believe so, but I'd love to hear kind of like your clinical experience. So I think it depends. And I think that the reason why there's so much polarization is because, you know, functional and integrated medicine is for certain things at certain times. And then the hospital is for certain things at a time. So for example, like a heart attack, you know, I would not want someone to walk into my, our place with a heart attack. You know, we don't have meds on hand. We can't treat it right away. We don't have an EKG machine. Like we don't have any of those immediate and necessary tools to treat that heart attack. You know, first of all, if you have that or if you have anything acute, you break your arm, you have a stroke, etc. You know, you need to go to the hospital, of course. Get it sorted out. Get that immediate concerned. You know, put out the fire, for lack of better words, of what's going on right then and there. However, you know, after someone gets out of the hospital or, you know, ideally before, but in this case, after someone gets out of the hospital, 
what can they do to go forward? They give them meds. There's usually quite a few meds after you've had an MI. And you're just kind of expected to stay on those to prevent that happening again. But what up to that? Did they have high cholesterol? Did they have, you know, a really poor diet? Were they, did they have high blood pressure? Like there are all these things. Did they smoke? That's a huge one. There are all these things that we can kind of look at and be like, hey, all right, you had this. So let's try to prevent it again. And that's where like, it would be best for my clinic. Like, let's look at your blood labs. Let's see what's going on now after this. And let's see how we can help you functionally or naturally in terms of getting back to your best health. So yeah, to answer your question, it's kind of like there's no like, oh, every patient that goes to integrative or functional medicine gets better, you know, more often than a hospital. There are pros and cons of both and of when each should happen. Also, you know, I don't like the word compliance, but compliance matters a lot in in our clinic because, you know, we can tell them to take supplements and we can tell them to change their diet. But if they're not doing it, you know, of course, their outcome is going to be skewed. So I think there's each one has their role. And I wish that there were more places that or just even more education on like, hey, for this symptom that I have, or what it's leading to, what should I do right now? You know, should I go see my doctor? Or should I try to like, you know, figure out what's been going on with me for a while, maybe? Yeah, no, it's crazy that in traditional medical school, there's only about four hours of training over all of the years on nutrition. And there's nothing going towards lifestyle. I feel like it's all just so focused on medicine. But I do agree with you. Obviously, emergency medicine is awesome. There's great need and use for surgeries and a lot of instances. So this polarization, though, is really, I think, where we're getting held up as kind of a society. I feel that we're just... So especially now, we're not going to go into that because we know how we both feel about the current state of the world. But how would you, just because I value your outlook and because you have experience on both sides, what do you think is the million dollar question? What do you think will help mend that polarization? Like, how do you think we're going to improve this and actually get integrative and functional to the forefront and have them really collaborating with the Western doctors? Yeah. So it's hard because I feel like there's not really a simple answer. My personal thought is that education is kind of what comes first. Like if we can get really educated from childhood of, you know, how we think of food, that's a whole nother ballgame too of, you know, are you restricted or are you binging or is it a treat or, you know, all of that stems from our childhood and how we grew up too. Do we value it? Like, oh my gosh, I love all this fruit. It's sweet and it makes me feel good. And you know what I mean? Like from a child's perspective. So I would say education. I think there's a lot more ways, you know, I'm so glad you're doing this podcast and like having people on and there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but trying to discern is really difficult and trying to realize like, okay, well, this person says this and this person says this. So it does get tough. And I think one of the other issues is we kind of overcomplicate health. We kind of, you were like, you have to eat so well 100% of the time. And if you don't, it's awful, you know, on some side. But then the rebound effect of that is people saying like, at this point, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't care. That's how I was with my friends in college. I was like, you guys are crazy. Like, I'm not, I can't afford it. 
it's too much work. And then I really ended up valuing my health and my body's ability and how to keep that up, especially with family and loved ones that are getting older, you know, and we watch that decline, the natural decline. Yeah. So I wish I had a better answer, but another thing that's been like on my mind recently, so take this with a grain of salt, but just getting more active in the community of like, if you do have a platform or if you do have, I know you've held a couple events locally, which is awesome because that's just on Eventbrite and you're like, Hey, anyone you want to come or it's recorded. That's amazing because I feel like, you know, it does start in the community. Like one person can have a garden in their backyard. That's great. But like other people are like, why do you have that? You know? So yeah. So getting involved in the community, especially with kids, I really do believe it starts with your family and how they're raised. There's a lot of really interesting research on the psychology of eating and relationship with food as you're growing up. And especially now with social media, oh my gosh, the comparison. Well, that's a great answer. And I love that you mention kind of childhood and how we grow up and the community events. Thanks for, of course, shouting out the events that I've put on. I always like to try to inspire like my audience and the people around me when feeling overwhelmed with especially like big world issues. If you're feeling overwhelmed with something big going on in the world, a lot of times the first thing you think is, this, I'm helpless. There's nothing I can do. It doesn't matter what I do because it's not going to change the world. But as cliche and as corny as this sounds, our individual changes influence the collective. So if we just lead by example, people pick up on that. And little funny story, you with your roommates, you were inspired by your roommate, your friends, And I actually had some roommates in college that legitimately made fun of me for buying organic food and for spending money on my health. And at this point in time, I was really, really unwell. I was, you know, sick with mold illness and I didn't know I had mold illness. So I had all these mysterious things going on. Of course, I was going to invest in my health. I was putting my money towards my food and my nutrition because that is what I knew at the time would help me before, you know, learning I needed to detox from mold. So the funny thing is, at the beginning of our lease, when they saw all my organic food, and I was getting made fun of, by the end of our lease, our whole entire fridge was filled with organic food. And I never once did I preach to them. I was very civil. You know, we're still friends to this day. But it was so interesting how people really do pay attention and they see how someone's life changes, you know, by implementing certain things into their lifestyle. So I totally agree with you. Change on that individual level and sharing when you can in non-pushy ways, using your platform, connecting with your community. I agree. That is really the first step. And it's an important step. Wondering if we can go on a little tangent. If you don't want to, we can totally skip it. But we have connected, you and I have connected on wanting to kind of raise children. Little side note to our audience, both of us, we do not have children yet, but we like to talk about, oh my gosh, what is it going to be like when we're raising children and we want them to have this holistic lifestyle? And you and I have both mentioned that maybe having a homestead and like growing our own food. Talk about that. Like if you had a child right now, what do you think would be the best way to like get them kind of started on this holistic journey? So one of the things that just like comes to mind is I listened to this podcast and I had previously mentioned, you know, child psychology and kids relationship with food. 
And like one of the things that she mentioned, oh, I, I don't remember this doctor's name, but she has some, I could find the podcast and then give it to you if you want to, you know, post it under this one. But she was talking about treats, like for example, like dessert. She has it, you know, you have to eat all your food, you have to eat all your vegetables, and then you have a treat. And one really interesting thing that she said, and I don't know if I do this, maybe or probably, but she had the dessert on the table. So like it would just be a part of your meal. Like it'd be like a little sweet treat, a part of your meal. Cause it wouldn't be this like, you know, dopamine thing or, you know, oh my gosh, I'm getting a treat. This is so amazing. You know, it was just like very natural. So I always thought that was really interesting. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I heard something similar and then I, I want you to continue, but I heard something similar around kind of Halloween candy. Someone was kind of explaining that, yes, the candy has toxins in it, and it's not good for your child's physical health. But it's also traumatizing to your child to not get to have candy when all the other kids get candy. You know, I don't kind of know my stance on that. But there is a very interesting psychology behind all of that that I definitely interested in exploring one day when I have Halloween kids around Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like one of the things too, is like, I'm a firm believer in like, you know, if you're eating mostly well, just try to swap it out instead of like, or like, you know, conventional cane sugar, like use coconut sugar, like you can still have those things. You know what I mean? I really do think and maybe this is just because it's me personally and how I grew up, but like total elimination just makes me desire it more one and then usually indulge more too. So I reach the point I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then I just end up indulging. And then it's kind of that like vicious cycle where if you just are buying like pretty okay things and eating pretty well majority of the time, then there's no reason to really eliminate. And that's another thing. Now there's a lot of candy, surprisingly. I saw that Reese's is organic. Did you see that? I feel like there's a little bit of special interests or maybe some type of corruption there, but... Yeah, I haven't read into it, but I just like thought that was hilarious, like the one candy. But there's like smart sweets and there's a couple other things. You know, there's Simple Mills, which is a great baking company. Yeah. And Unreal. Have you had Unreal? Yes. Those are really good. There are so many. And then Yum Earth. That's like a lollipop and they have gummies and things like that. So I agree with you. You know, there are better alternatives out there and you can still enjoy. And I think another thing going back to like kids, this is another... Again, I'm not a parent. So, you know, I tell my sister these things. She's like, that's easier said than done. Like one of the things is like help the kid plan the meal, like pick out, especially with like Pinterest and everything being so visual. You know, you can make a board of like actual meals your family would want or healthy meals. And then you have them pick and then they would like help you make it. And then they're taking pride and ownership and responsibility of, hey, I'm creating this meal. And I think we know that kids absorb everything that we're saying or doing, but we don't really like realize how much that is. And, you know, you tell them like, oh, this orange is like really good for your immune system. And, you know, you don't even have to say immune system. You can just say it for helping you feel better. And they'll just latch onto that. And then that's just a really simple association. Like if you're not making them eat it or taking it away or for whatever it is, you name it, they'll just make a really simple association of like, oh, this is good for me and it tastes great. And then the taste, you know, so I don't know, I feel like it might be a ripple effect, but it is hard. And it's hard when because, you know, most recently, my sister brought up my nephew, his friends at school, they trade food and you know, COVID exists, but they're trading food in elementary schools. And it's like Cheetos. And he was like, Mom, like, you know, Sam had this or so and so had this. And can we get it? And then it's hard because then she's like, her immediate reaction is no. And so like, okay, well, how do I 
that's a whole nother ballgame. Like, I don't know what I would do in that situation right there in the grocery store with your six-year-old, you know, saying stuff. You're bringing up a lot of good, like, hypotheticals. (laughs) But I feel like I'll definitely be thinking about those one day. On the orange note, saying to your child, you know, oranges help me feel better. When I was little, my dad, both of his grandfathers were dentists. And then there's a lot of other dental people in my family. So my dad has always (laughs) had this weird obsession with, you know, we had to brush our teeth and he was very strict about our teeth, (laughs) which is very funny. But so I think this is why this memory stood out. He once told me, or maybe I saw in a TV show, apples are good for your teeth. They help your oral hygiene. And I remember I was about maybe five or six years old and I heard that fact and I didn't like brushing my teeth. It was, you know, such a chore when you're five years old. You don't want to be brushing your teeth twice a day. I found out that apples were good for your teeth. I ran over to my bridge before bed and I said, I don't have to brush my teeth tonight. I get to eat my apple because <laughs> apples are good for my teeth. So kids really, you know, they do pick up on that stuff. And there actually is a, there's a brain state that children are in until age seven, the theta brain state. And in that brain state, it's a type of wave. Us as adults, we can also tap into a theta state. I don't want to get like too technical, but in this state, you're very... It's a hypnotic state. You absorb everything. So you're in a theta state when you wake up first thing in the morning. That's why you don't want to be grabbing your phone and, you know, consuming bad news or looking at social media right away because you're still in this theta brainwave. So it's your subconscious. It's the in-between of the subconscious and the conscious. So you have to be very careful what you're absorbing. Children, and I'm not an expert on this, but I have studied this and heard about this a little bit. Children are in this state until age seven, I believe. And that is why kids are such sponges, because they're in this highly absorbent stage. So I, after learning that, again, not a parent, but it makes me want to be extremely mindful when I do have kids one day, what I am saying in front of my children and how I am acting, especially in those first six, seven years of life. If you're a parent who is constantly saying, oh, I look fat. Oh, I'm so ugly. Or, oh, I'm lazy. I'm, you know, like people say that sometimes in front of their kids and they don't realize kids pick up on that and that becomes ingrained in them. So that's my little tangent on that. It's difficult. I mean, because I feel like it's so hard, like watching yourself for, you know, especially this, like six to seven years, like not saying anything. And that's why, again, there's no simple answer to that. But like you said, like being mindful of it, but then just like practicing good habits so that a lot of the habits that you're even doing are more so just positive or viewed as positive from the kids anyways. But we'll have to cross that bridge one day. And I'm excited, but I'm also like, oh my gosh, (laughs) it's going to be tough. I know. Well, I'm glad that we have each other as a resource. And I feel that we're very much on the same page. So everyone here can stay tuned for the next mysterious amount of years before we have children. And we'll do a recap episode, letting everyone know. Let's talk about low toxic living. That's obviously the theme of this show. Well, like the overall podcast, I launched this podcast to be centered around low toxic living and longevity. And we've talked about a lot of things so far that contribute to longevity and holistic health. Let's talk a little bit more about low toxic living because I know you, I know you're interested in that and familiar with like the products and the things we have that we're exposed to and how that impacts our health. 
What are some ways that you live and embrace a low toxic lifestyle? Like what makes sense to you? What's most important to prioritize like organic food? Yeah. So it's kind of funny that you bring this up because well, going back how I was like, oh my gosh, healthy living is so expensive. So I was talking to my friend. She actually had a layover last week. So she came over and we just kind of hung out for a few hours before her flight. But, you know, she was asking about stuff and it got me thinking to like when I was starting off, I was like, everything is so overwhelming, like about brands, especially like cosmetic or any makeup brands and stuff like that, cleaning products. Like you see there's so much greenwashing going on of like, oh, pick me, I'm clean. But what does clean mean? You know, it doesn't mean anything. So I feel like when you start, I don't know, I do like simple things is like makeup is non-toxic. There's a lot of good resources that you've shared. One is a couple of friends and I go to here in Denver and they actually have one. It's downtown Chicago, but it's called Aaliyah and it's a storefront. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a storefront and every brand in there is EWG certified and non-toxic. So like I would say, you know, our skin is the biggest organ. We absorb 80% of what's put on our skin within the first, I think it's like 60 seconds. It might even be less than that. Yeah. So especially like for women, like for foundation, but a big thing I always think about is lotion. I don't know if people are huge lotion. It's very dry in Denver. So definitely need lotion out here. But lotion's a big one. Like you're literally lathering your body with it after you just got out of the shower, your pores are open and it's whatever that is, you know, say it smells good, say it's purple for whatever reason, they love to dye things, you know, that's going straight into your body and disrupting, like it's disrupting hormones, it's disrupting everything. And then that causes a ripple effect throughout your body, especially if you're doing that daily for years and years and years. So one of my like my what I want to preface is like once you kind of figure out a couple things, it's so much easier to rebuy what you already know you like when you stick to a makeup brand or even a food brand, you know, like Lesser Evil is a they have paleo puffs and they've got popcorn like buy it once and then you can just kind of like keep buying it. And I feel like it gets easier over time of what you're prioritizing. First, I would say anything that you put on your body to be really mindful of. EWG has an app. And just for background on that, EWG is Environmental Working Group. And they kind of bring things on toxicity. I think you've talked about it probably a bunch before too. Heidi's got some great resources on it. The app has a barcode. So any product you know, in your bathroom... This was actually one challenge that happened in college. This was probably a turning point now that I'm remembering it. There's an app called Think32, which is kind of the same concept. But again, the barcode and it said, scan everything that you have in your bathroom. And I had like, I don't know, Aveeno or Johnson & Johnson or whatever lotion. And then I had X shampoo. And then I had Colgate toothpaste and like all these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is all bad. They were like 8, 9, 10 in terms of toxicity level. And both of these apps too break it down with ingredients and why those ingredients are concerning. So, oh, it's a carcinogen. They'll say an endocrine disruptor. They'll say... I don't know, synthetic coloring. I would highly recommend, like at the very least, just kind of do those and swap out the affordable things first. Swap out just things in your bathroom, you know, toothpaste. Don't buy the Colgate or Crest. You know, I use Risewell. So I send it to my friends now. Oh my gosh, like $11 for toothpaste. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, but like there's always codes. You know what I mean? You can kind of dig for things. I've found going straight to their site too. I don't know if you have an affiliation link, but if you even go straight to Risewell's site, they have like a subscribe. As weird as it sounds, we subscribe to toothpaste. So every like two months or three months, they drop off another toothpaste. And we're like, oh, we got it. And it's cheaper. 
And again, you would never think about doing that, but like, there's all those things. And then we don't even think about like what we should buy at the store or how to look through the toothpaste aisle. I actually think prioritizing, obviously, like what you said, you know, starting with the low hanging fruit, starting where you can and with what you have. But this is likely a whole entire different subject. But prioritizing your oral hygiene is really important, especially with your microbiome, you know, your immune system tied to your mouth, your gut starts in your mouth. So and it's literally open. I remember reading when I was little, I was always kind of a nervous kid, just skeptical. And I was reading my toothpaste bottle. It was, you know how they had like kids toothpaste and then they had regular toothpaste for adults. I think I started using like my brother's toothpaste, my older brother's, and it wasn't like the kids toothpaste. And I remember reading the back of it and it said, call poison control if you swallow. And I was freaked out because I was overthinking and I was probably like seven and I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like, oh my God, wait a minute. This stuff is poison, but we're putting it in our mouth. Like, how does this make sense? And I know some people would say, oh, that's only if you're like, you know, squeezing the bottle and swallowing it all. But no, there's a cumulative effect of these toxins going into our body, absorbing through our skin, going into our GI. That all adds up and leads to autoimmune. It lowers your immune system, makes you more sensitive to mold, everything. But yeah, Risewall's great. Any other fave? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to hit on what you said. Like, it all adds up. Like, I think that's kind of the way to look at it. Like, you know, you again, going back to the diet, like, it all adds up. So that's why, you know, if you're eating well, majority of the time, it doesn't really matter that you had like this one brownie or whatever. And especially if you're making it with like better ingredients, then it really doesn't matter as much. You know what I mean? That's my perspective. Some people would argue. Some people would say, oh, you need to do it 100% or whatnot. But it's all those little things that we do daily. Like, what's your air quality like? You know, are you in a city? Are you in an apartment building? You know, or even if you're by a farm, my grandparents live right next to a farm in rural Southern Illinois, and they have crop dusters all the time. You know what I mean? So there's like those things, like it's not necessarily cleaner because they back up to cornfields. So there's just like a million things that you can really think about and really get overwhelmed with. And, you know, I know we both have before. And that's why I would just reiterate, like, you know, just a little change here and there, like drinking out of a glass instead of a plastic water bottle or cup or anything like that. Avoiding BPA. Like we use mason jars. You can get these at anywhere, but and like a huge bulk quantity. And those are just our cups. So a lot cheaper than the really cute cups at Target. Hey, but mason jars are cute too. Yeah. And they've got dual purpose. Exactly. So so I feel like once you just start making a couple of those, like, you know, now I've realized like all of my cleaning products are like super, don't like to use the word clean, but non-toxic, right? And then most of our food is organic. And, you know, most of our everything in our bathroom is non-toxic. But that was not overnight. And I think when you look at that and you're like, oh, I need to do this all overnight or this month, it is an expense, you know? So as you just kind of gradually swap things out, again, those are all kind of like adding points to the health piggy bank in a way, you know? Yeah. 
And if you're running out of a product that is your perfect opportunity, you need to replenish anyways, why not replenish with something better? And a lot of times too, yes, there are expenses associated with holistic health and wellness. You know, you can rack up a check if you decide to, you know, go crazy with it. That goes for any kind of category in life though. If you go crazy with clothes, like you'll rack up a check. If you go crazy with all the wellness services, you'll rack up a check. But there are ways to actually save money and just going kind of minimalist with the products, like changing to non-toxic makeup, but maybe not using as much, maybe not lathering on as much or not wearing deodorant. That's crazy. Yeah. Some days you don't even need to wear deodorant. You know what I mean? Or not buying an air freshener. That's going to save you money. You can really save money by getting rid of some of the junk that you don't need, like the air fresheners and the fabric softener and the list goes on. But I don't like the excuse of it's too expensive. It's like, no, you can start with what you have. You know, when you run out of your toothpaste, buy one that's better, get rid of things that you don't need. Yeah. And I find like not to ramble on the subject anymore, but like, I really do find that makeup is comparable. Like, I don't know if you guys have Sprouts in Chicago, but I don't know. It's a grocery store, but they have some like more, it's basically a step down from Whole Foods, I would say. But like they've got things that are, you know, I bought a face wash and it was like $6 and it was EWG certified. You know, it wasn't anything fancy. It didn't have like orange peel or whatever they say that are in these fancy ones. But like it washed my face and then got my makeup off and it was good. Yeah, there are those. And then I keep buying that one, you know, so. Right. Well, with the makeup. The makeup thing too, you go into Sephora and personally, if I set foot in there, I'd probably faint from all the chemicals, but (laughs) yeah, the smells, but you look at the prices of some of these mainstream brands and they're more expensive than, you know, like Ilia or 100% Pure. The other two I really love, Well People. It's all the same price. You can find stuff that is cheaper. So there's a million things to do, but I would just, yeah. And again, we're talking about makeup a lot, but really, you know, it just comes down to like making those simple swaps, kind of like you were saying, you know, using less or not spraying perfume and then like kind of looking for resources that basically just share those swaps really easily. So you don't really have to think about it. You're just like, oh, I have this person, you know, for example, Heidi, that I really value her opinion and her research and I trust her. So I can do a little research on it, which I would always recommend doing a little bit of your own research, seeing if it's best for you. But, you know, once you've been following a person for a while and you know their intention, then, you know, maybe just take their advice and then it's one less thing you have to really get overwhelmed with or anything like that. Yeah, thank you. I'm trying to make it easier for my audience and for really anyone that comes across my page and or just gets talking to me. I want low toxic living to be accessible, affordable and easy to understand. So yeah, I have a lot of guides and things like that on Instagram and on my website. But I'm going to ask you, we're actually already at our time as crazy as that is, we could keep talking forever and ever. I like to ask my guests this at the end because I'm really into reading lately. It's part of my 2022 resolutions. I want to read 22 books in 2022. So can you share one book that has changed your life? Most impactful story is probably Educated by Tara Westover. Have you heard of that one? I read it. So it's an autobiography. She wrote it, but her story is just wild. Uh, she grew up in um, rural Utah and I don't know, you have to read the back for yourself, but basically a really traditional Mormon family. 
And there was just like certain things like they lived on a farm, they did homeschool and stuff like that. And then but one of the big things was that she wasn't allowed to go to school. And this was just like her dad personally, this wasn't obviously anything related with the Mormon religion. And he said you couldn't go to school. So then she ended up leaving and getting educated. That's why I called that. And she ends up like writing her story, like of how she grew up, how she ended up in school. And now she's written multiple books. And I think she got ended up getting her PhD. It's just really interesting. So it's an awesome book. Yeah. And it keeps you go- like really going because, you know, there's certain parts where she shares her like diary, like what she had written as a kid. So it's wild. Yeah, it's really well written. And then the second book, probably most impactful, maybe this is just coming to my head because I read it so recently, was it's called Dream Big by Bob Goff. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's got a lot of like really lighthearted books, but this one, he's got prompts in the back on little follow chapters. So at the end of chapter one, you answer these questions and it's kind of like growing with you. So like I have a whole notebook of like everything I wrote down while like about his book and it's just really simplified. It's not like one of those like you need to do this to be successful and stuff like that. Wow, cool. Well, I jotted both those down. Thank you. All right. Awesome. What are you reading now? I just finished Think and Grow Rich. It's a very famous book about kind of just like manifesting abundance and money and kind of subconscious stuff with money and things like that. Great for entrepreneurs. And then I'm also reading, I have my list next to me, I have a huge list. I'm reading 10% Human. I just started that. And it's about how our body is more bacteria than human. So it's kind of about like the microbiome and, and all that, but just started. So not a lot to share on that one yet. Yeah. Well, thank you for those recs. And thank you so much for coming on the Lifelong Podcast and chatting all things integrative medicine children, food, nutrition, psychology. It was so fun chatting with you, Andy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was great. 